Hello, welcome to another episode of the Gridcoin Fireside here and the Gridcoin Discord server. Today is January 22nd, and we're going to be talking about organization in Gridcoin, including the whitelisting process. Because, guys, stop making whitelist polls if you don't follow the rules. There's very clearly written down rules and steps and procedures to make sure we don't break point projects and break Gridcoin at the same time. So, hey, cut it out, you know? Anyway. <laughs> You're all going to join us every Friday at 3.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern on the uh, nope on the Gridcoin Discord server. We talk all things Gridcoin, bring you questions and concerns and ideas and all that all that fun jazz. So, whitelisting. There's a, there's a poll going up. No one of uh, consequence is voting in this poll because it clearly does not follow the procedures. One of the good ways to tell if it's a serious poll is to look at who's voting and how many people are voting. Maybe one day we'll have a UI that brings popular polls to that surfaces popular polls in the UI and lets stupid polls float away. Um, but for now, you got to use your brain, which I know you got, to determine that, hey, this isn't the thing that it should be. For example, one of the things we uh, like to do with whitelists now, with the whitelisting process, is we ask the Boink project if they would like us to attempt to whitelist them, or put a vote up. This is because we have hugged several projects to death, and we don't want to do that anymore because it's just disrespectful. And it's just plain disrespectful to bring a project into a cryptocurrency network, even still, even with you know massive adoption going on at an institutional level, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the, it's still young, and people are uncertain about it, even with all the governments looking into it and blah, 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 right? So just be respectful to the fact that people still are not comfortable with crypto. Um, more people are than they were last time, but you know, respect is key. So... Yeah, let's talk about organization because uh, who brought it up? I already forgot. Uh, Joker MC said in the chat as we're trying to figure out what to talk about this week uh, that they are interested in Jim's proposal for a whitelisting committee. So we'll talk about sort of that and the general organization around um, Gridcoin. Uh, Chocolate has brought up concepts of working more like a business before and, and all that stuff. So here's how this works Gridcoin is a FOSS project, free and open source software. It is also a FLOSS project. We all have very clean teeth. Right. So, um, for the record, I, I do not endorse Jaren's rotation of Lab Mat 5. I haven't even said what it is yet. So, anyway, based continue. On state, based on your prior statements, I'm just saying, I, in, in advance. No, I would have said it correctly this time. You corrected me last time. Jeez, give me a little credit. So, the only credit you get is point credit. Right. Okay, that's. Wow, we'll play it there. So, Gridcoin is a FOSS project. That means that the software is open source, it's an open economic network that operates on top of this open source software. So in order for anything in the network to change, that software must change. There is no one in charge of that software. There's the maintainer, who is a respected individual of the community and developer. Uh, uh, that person is responsible for merge requests and all that stuff, pull requests emerging. So that person can change whether, you know, they, they're respected because they're a responsible person who will be like, hey, I'm stepping out. I'm no longer contributing to the project. I'm going to hand off this responsibility this position of responsibility to someone else who is trusted in the network. Uh, so, for example, Ravon hands it to Jim or something like that. I actually don't know who that actual maintainer is of the, the repo. But the so the only way to change the network uh, is to change that software. And then any changes to that software must be approved by miners. And the way that operation works is um, a miner or a staker in our context, because we have proof of uh, stake consensus, is the staker downloads the new software and runs the update. So whenever there's a fork, or yeah, whenever there's a fork, uh, a hard fork, we're not 100% certain it's going to go through. Perhaps most of the network is like, that's a really stupid hard, a stupid update. Why did you guys do that? We're not going to download this new software. We're going to continue running the old software. So that's sort of the, the, the final approval process for any proposed update. Uh, we have the polling system, which helps us 
maintain relative uh, certainty that the proposed update will actually be downloaded by the stakers, uh, but it's never 100%, right? Because it's not Microsoft putting out an update and resetting everyone's computer so they download the update. We can't do that. Uh, in the same regard, we can't, because there is no we, make a call on what projects should be whitelisted and what projects shouldn't be whitelisted. Uh, there, the whitelisting of a project is currently a, a centralized position of responsibility. Uh, one person adds it to the whitelist or removes it from the whitelist, puts it on the gray list if necessary, etc. But that can be automated and uh, if all goes well, will be automated in the future. Uh, there's no reason that must be a central decision because it's not the, the position of responsibility is such because it's not a decision that person makes. That person has to be responsible enough to do whatever the network decides to do. And the network decides through a poll. And the poll has the bare minimum of entry process that is the poll requirements, parameters, and procedures. It's on the repo. Uh, you can find it if you are willing to find it. So the idea of a whitelist committee is dead from the start if you take it to the extreme. There is never going to be a committee that chooses what projects to whitelist or not. It's always going to be the network that decides. The coin could fork into a centralized implementation of the whitelisting process, but I don't think most of the network would follow that update. I think most of the stakers would continue on the decentralized path, decentralized fork. Um, so what a whitelist committee could be and what it implies is greater organization around a FOSS project. You can look at Linux, the largest open source software project out there, the largest FOSS project in existence for how this might look. And you can follow their history to really see how it evolves to where it is now. You know, you start with a couple folks contributing code to a repo, um, to a set of software and updating it as they go. Eventually, uh, a couple other folks make an organization to support the advancement of that software. That organization doesn't take control of the software, but it does support developers. So maybe it's a nonprofit that takes in money through some pro some means. Maybe it sells swag. Maybe it gets donations from wealthy individuals who align with the goals of the organization. Um, and, and it uses that money taken in in some way. One way would be to fund developers. So that organization would fund development in a specific direction, a direction that meets its needs and desires and expressed goals. But development would still be open to anyone, whether they're part of that organization or not. So maybe that organization gets so much power that whatever that organization wants goes. That's not a healthy FOSS project, in my view. Uh, you, want in, you want multiple organizations uh, supporting FOSS projects so that they can fight over which direction it should go and then compromise in the, over the file direction. Um, with cryptocurrencies, because they have these economic networks behind them, you end up getting forks of different directions if there's a huge contentious issue. Uh, stepping into a more contemporary FOSS project, Bitcoin, had several organizations that didn't want to ch change the block size and several organizations that did want to change the block size, and they couldn't compromise on it. So some organizations created Bitcoin Cash and others maintained the uh, vanilla Bitcoin code base and made second layer solutions. So that that can happen in these sorts of things. Uh, it still follows, those two paths still follow basic principles of FOSS, which is the better project will win out, or maybe they're both great and they fill their niche. Uh, they each fill their own niche. So what happened with Linux is you get a couple organizations, nonprofits uh, supporting the software, and then you get a company, a for-profit company supporting the software, Red Hat. Red Hat brought Linux into the enterprise world because they found a business model that was able to stand beside the software 
and they don't control the software, but what they do is provide support for that software. Because with this FOSS project, I forget who made the joke last week. I think it was actually on the Boink radio. Uh, Delta made the joke. Um, can, can I talk to the CEO of Boink, please? No, you can't. There is no CEO of Boink. So the, the same principle applies here. You can't talk to the CEO of, of Linux. You can talk to very respected and reputable and uh, hardcore contributors to the, the code base, like Linus Torvalds, but he's not the CEO of Linux. He runs a, an organization that supports Linux. Or you can talk to the CEO of Red Hat, who runs support for the software, where, it, where a, someone has an issue running the software and they don't know who to call because you can't just call Linux and get support. So Red Hat was like, that's a way to make money. We'll provide support, call us, pay us, and we'll help you with your issue. Uh, so you start with just a couple contributors. You then go to a nonprofit or some sort of organization that helps advance and legitimize development and these software project. And then hopefully you get to a business level where there are business uh, plans that people identify and execute on uh, around that software. Uh, and then eventually, if you're very, very lucky and very skilled, I guess, you get to the enterprise level where with Linux, for example, Linux runs so much of the world and is incorporated into so much enterprise software that the largest companies in the world actually contribute to developing Linux. Microsoft uh, being a great example, they do a significant portion of the Linux coding and uh, maintenance. Because once you get to that level, maintenance, maintenance of the code base is very difficult. In the cryptocurrency world, Microsoft also supports Ethereum, for example. And I'm sure there are lots of companies that support Bitcoin, Ethereum, the major ones, right? Uh, Intel, no, IBM does Lumen. How cool is that? IBM also does World Community Grid. I wonder if the two will ever merge. Uh, so uh, when it comes to Gridcoin, the organization or the question of a whitelisting council or whitelisting committee can be viewed as such. Let's assume that there's no such thing as whitelisting committee that makes the decision. But there could be an organization that, for lack of a better word, collects reputable individuals and puts them on a whitelisting committee. And this committee is responsible for putting together the polls and vetting a Boink project. One of the things we look for with Boink projects before we whitelist them, or before we should whitelist them, is the security of the project and the security of the credit system. Do they do... Um, validation of the work units sort of stuff. Because if they don't, they can destroy your economic network and that's bad for everyone in Gridcoin. So this whitelisting committee supported by, let's just call it the Gridcoin nonprofit, uh, is, would be responsible and would be putting up at risk the reputation of that nonprofit uh, when they vet a whitelisted or a non-whitelisted project for whitelisting. So it's like um, certified organic. You know, this what this project has been certified by the uh, Gridcoin nonprofit as safe to be whitelisted and recommended to be whitelisted. It would still be up to the network to finally make that decision, and individuals can choose to um, listen to this nonprofit and this whitelisting committee that's part of that nonprofit or not. They could say these guys are a bunch of corrupt assholes who who are they're, they're the swamp, right? So I'm not going to listen to them. I'll make my own decision. Everyone would be welcome to do that. Wait the 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 voice of this nonprofit or as, as much or as little as they want. So that's sort of how the organization of Gridcoin should evolve, I believe, if it were if Gridcoin is to move forward. Nonprofit business and that nonprofit can do stuff like whitelisting committee, can do stuff uh, like funding development, can do stuff like making partnerships, legitimate partnerships, talking to exchanges, that sort of thing. Um, can can form more, can legitimize. Gridcoin as a FOSS project. And then from there, hopefully, maybe the, the, the nonprofit can even jumpstart business plans. So if people find, find a way to make money by standing beside Gridcoin, the software, the network, uh, then go ahead, do it. 
And maybe the nonprofit part of its mission could be like, we're going to use some of the money to seed startups with viable business plans. And there are plenty of people in Gridcoin uh, who have business experience, uh, myself included, Jim also, uh, who could vet some of these startups uh, and their ideas and the people behind them. Because a lot of it is you see to the people, you don't see the idea. Because a, a good business person is generally going to come out with a good idea at some point, because if they don't, they die. That's their whole way of living. <laughs> uh, so from FOSS project, pure FOSS, to organizations supporting the FOSS project, maybe there's even more than one nonprofit, to businesses standing beside the software, to, you know, if we really survive, then maybe NIH is working with Gridcoin, maybe NSF is working with Gridcoin, um, so that sort of thing. You know, the big science organizations that already exist and will probably always exist, the big institutions, maybe they'll work with us and do stuff like that. That is dreamland, right? That would be awesome if we ever got to that level. Uh, but this whitelisting committee, back to reality, could be part of a nonprofit. There could also be a whitelisting committee that's not part of a nonprofit. Maybe just a group of people get together and decide to call themselves a whitelisting committee and they put out opinions on projects, whether or not they should be um, uh, a whitelisted project or not. Milk says, I believe there are IBM folks at Boink Workshop. IBM ran the Boink Workshop uh, in Chicago. It was at IBM's headquarters in Chicago. <laughs> uh, IBM does a significant portion of the coding of Boink, of support. Kevin Reed. Uh, who's part of the PMC. He did the news thing for the Boink Radio. Um, and and uh, Juan runs World Community Grid. They all work for IBM. So IBM is highly uh, invested in Boink. They're pulling back a little bit, it would seem, in recent years, but they're also highly invested in Lumen, blockchain project, distributed computing project. The two are made to be married. It would be interesting to see what happens with the two. But um, anyway, that's how the organization aspect would work with the whitelisting committee. There will never be a group of people that decide this project is whitelisted, this project is not. But there may be a group of people who use their, who leverage their their perceived competency to give opinions on whether or not a project should be whitelisted or not. And that's perfectly fine. That's actually encouraged because not everyone in the network has the time to really learn all the little details. But maybe they'll have the time to delegate some of their their brain, um, their choices to uh, uh, this group, and they'll be like, "Oh, I trust this group. They've made good decisions in the past. I align with their values, etc." So if they think it should be whitelisted, I will generally align with them. I'll do a little of my own research still, but they really are influencing me a lot. And like I said, there will also be people who are like, no, that, that group is just the cabal. It's the, the swamp. I'm never going to listen to them. I'm going to listen to this other group over here. We encourage multiple groups join, being created to express a unified voice. Uh, and we also encourage people making nonprofits. Uh, because that nonprofit can also make that whitelist committee. And we also encourage people to make businesses besides Gridcoin. If you find an idea, do it. Um, and that's how the organization will go. So that is how a whitelisting committee will play out. I hope that answers your question, Joker. Did you have any other specific thoughts on the proposal? Uh, well, I let any comments come in the chat here. Gregor says, I hope, the, for, I hope for system to handle Greg list, as it is now a GPU grid should be out uh, should be on the gray list, but it's not. Right, so the, the goal, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, is to have that entire process from gray listing to whitelisting to removal of whitelist onto gray list to removal of whitelist period automated at some point. And uh, it is possible to do that. It's just a, ch a technical challenge. There's some hurdles to overcome, uh, but we need more depths for that. In the meantime, there are people uh, of high regard who manage it. Uh, and one of the flaws of centralization and not automation is that you have to fit in other people's schedules, right? especially in a FOSS project. Uh, no, the gray listing is not already automatic. It's 
Yeah, it's partially automatic. So if the scrapers, if the project's down hard so that it's not, so the data's not available at all, then the scrapers, once the data's out of the 48-hour retention window that the scrapers keep on the network, the project will drop out of the of the convergence and it will be effectively gray-listed. But there are all manner of different types of gray-listing situations where the data is actually still available. It's just not being updated. So um, actually, I've got, I, I haven't done GPU grid. I need to do that. Uh, and GPU grid is one of those situations is there's just no movement. So the data is there. It's just not, uh, people are actually not processing work unit. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're right, Foxy. You're bringing, she brings up the example of asteroids at home going down hard. If the, as Jim was saying, if the project just disappears, like it breaks, then it will automatically remove it from the scrapers. But also, like Jim said, there are so many situations that require gray listing. So. Yeah, and that was we were originally going to put that in Fern. We just we just ran out of time, and Fern was already gigantic enough as it is. And doing gray list rules is a little bit complicated. And we think we can handle the zero credit day and work uh, aperture score portions of the rules fairly easily. But there are there are a number of other possibilities for gray listing that don't even fit into those two. So there's a the problem is you really uh, I'm not so sure that we can actually totally automate it even. Uh, with those two rules, because I think there are certain situations you get into where you need to gray list by hand. It, it just requires a, a lot of further thought to actually do this right. Though. Exactly. So, but we, I think that, we, I think we can do a lot more with automation on it. And I'd, quite frankly, I'd like to get out of the administration of it. I hate being the administrator. Of it. <laughs> it's like the pain. I'd rather the wallet do it itself. All right. Any other thoughts on the whitelisting co committee or uh, organization in general or anything grid coin related? We don't really have too much to talk about today. Uh, I, I, I missed the first part of it, Jerry, but I'll just put my two cents on the whitelisting committee. I think that, you know, we've got lots of involved commu community members that would, I think, would be great to jump in and start contributing there. And there's, there's lots of things to do to properly whitelist a project. People can go look at the defined procedure for whitelisting, and I've put out several points that you need to do. But, you know, uh, you, you don't just randomly whitelist a project. It's gotta, you've got to go through a, a, a whole litany of things. To make sure that a project, uh, you know, the, the project can handle it, that the, you know, they've got appropriate structure in place, that, you know, some regard for what the project is doing has been considered and all that kind of stuff. The administrator's been contacted and agrees that they're ready to go. And, you know, it's, it's basically that sort of thing. And um, historic, you know, I think the community needs to be more involved than just expecting to vote on a whitelist. Right. We've got to have people from the community actually chip in and, and help evaluate these, these projects. And, and, and quite frankly, we do need. I think some some real activity in this area because some projects have dropped off. I mean, you know, look, Boink is not a static animal, and there are projects that come in and there are projects that go. And so I think that you know we got to evolve it over time. It's something that's not a static picture, and we we, we have to as a community uh, put the effort in to to maintain it. And and this can't just devolve down to one or two people. That's not really the right thing. And the community's got to be involved in this and in the process, not just the vote itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, so let's let's do this. So that's the implementation I was talking about. I was talking about different ways at the beginning that the whitelisting committee would exist. And basically with the caveat that there's never going to be just a group of people that make the decision, but there can be a group of people who vet the project and express a voice about whether it should be whitelisted or not. No, the, so, the decision has to be put up by, by vote. So yeah. really the way I see it is you're sort of teeing it up, right? It's, it's almost like, uh, I hate to use the example from, so... When, when the uh, Pfizer and Moderna vaccine went to, to the FDA, that committee that they had to approve it, they had done all the, you know, the, the trials, they had it all packaged up, the review and everything. And But then it was the decision of that community to, to make the final decision as to whether they were going to grant the emergency use authorization or not, right? That wasn't 
a exactly. couple of people's responsibility. So the idea of this committee is you sort of package it all together and you present the package to the community. Almost like on a Reddit, you present a document that says, here's what our review is. We've gone through all the following processes and here's what, 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 we, what we think about the project. And then you, that becomes the discussion thread for the vote. And then you put it up for a vote. And the community reads that document. And they decide whether they're going to admit the project or not. That's the way I see it. All uh, right. So I think it's a great idea. And we should just make it uh, some of the implementations just to catch you up where uh, a committee done just community run where a couple of people get together, a committee uh, endorsed by a nonprofit or a committee endorsed by a business. So I think this first layer, the committee of just us, like just some community members getting together and doing what you're describing is a great way to start. And we should start at ASAP. And I think, Jay Ringo, if, you know, once we go down the nonprofit road, it can be subsumed into that later, right? Yeah. But I think we can just start off with what we have. Is, yeah, is and I, I think it would be super easy to start. We'll make a channel here on Discord. Uh, there's yep. a lot of active people here on Discord. And what, we'll have to decide together what we want to put in sort of these reports from this committee. I can think of a couple examples off the top of my head, but I'm not going to say them. I'm, I want other people to, to write down what they think we should be putting in these reports, and then I'll express my opinion afterwards. Because this is a perfect uh, opportunity for folks who have wanted to get involved but don't know how to code, don't know how to do marketing, don't know how to do outreach, anything like that. And they, if you want to contribute, here's a great opportunity anyone can do. It's going to involve researching a project, uh, looking at the science they do, uh, looking at their, their infrastructure, how they vet their work units, all that stuff, uh, and then writing it down and reviewing it and then being there for the discussion when the community comes in to talk about it. So we're going to put up a uh, Discord channel right after uh, this fireside. It'll be called Whitelisting Committee. And uh, feel free to jump in there and get going. Uh, I'll help with a lot of discussion if no one else wants to do it. But I think it's a great idea just to start, right? Yep. And by the way, you know, there's there's uh, lots of things probably that are relevant over on the Blink Discord for people to read. A lot of activity going on in Boink right now, and, uh, and then there are other resources that people ought to look at, at on the web for different Boink projects that are that are out there. Uh, some are new, and uh, you know some are some are not so new, but somewhat new. And we've reached out to before, and they didn't want to participate. But it's been a long time since we've talked to them. I mean, there's a lot of different things that we need to think through on this, right? Uh, yeah. Some 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 have had polls put up already, but the polls weren't valid because the the process wasn't followed correctly. But that that doesn't mean that those are totally off the table. I think that. Uh, we can. We need to go back and look at them and make sure that you know we've talked to the right people at those projects and go through the. I mean, I I definitely wouldn't take those off the table just because the polls were put out and the polls weren't valid. It's just that the the process wasn't followed. So those right. those are absolutely ones that we should consider. There, I think a Qpedia or whatever we talked to and they didn't want to participate at that time. But it's been a while, right? And things change. And so you know, I think basically anything that's out there is pretty much fair game, in my opinion. So absolutely. Even those that are currently on the whitelist, as you've been saying, might need to be reviewed. And we might even want to um, force a vote on every project that's on the whitelist. Because some of these projects weren't even voted in in the first place. They're just so legacy. They've been there. That's correct. And it might be, might be interesting to see what the community thinks of all these projects and to watch them defend, justify their existence on our network and see yep. what happens. One thing we can't do, I will not, I, I will not support... Uh, putting up a project, a legacy project for vote without going through a full uh, due diligence on what that project's about. So if we're going to do that, we have to educate the community on what that project is, what it does, and things so that they can they can use a they can do an inform they can make an informed decision on the poll if we put up for a poll. Does that make sense to everybody? So if we're going to go through and reevaluate legacy projects, we have to put those legacy th projects through the you know we don't have to put them through the gamut of like is it is there is the project ready. Or is the network because they're already whitelisted? But for the notion about what 
type of things they do, what's the value to the, you know, from a scientific perspective, is it in accordance with what we believe is, is right for the, for the Bitcoin community, et cetera. That part, I think we need to look at before we put up legacy projects for vote. Do, I don't know, Beringo, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think it would be, um, I don't know how many folks here. Sorry, I'm chuckling because I make I have pizza dough in the fridge and I made a little too much and it definitely expanded out of the bowl. Chicago style pizza? It's going to be <laughs> interesting, that's for sure. Um, I don't know how many people are familiar with Delta's project briefs uh, that he does over on Boink Radio. They're wonderful. Go listen to them, Boink.network. Uh, and we would probably do stuff like that for each of the projects that we want to talk about. I think that material can be a good basis for the write-ups, too, or the discussion. Uh, Those are actually very informative, quite frankly. He does a great job. He's never here because he's asleep because he lives in some mysterious land that one is about. But the land down under? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Okay, I think this is great. I've already made the channel for Whitelisting Committee. Uh, Two M's, two T's, and two E's in committee, right? What a weird word. Um, (laughs) So go ahead and jump in there, and uh, let's use PsyDoc. The current poll is just like the, the run through. Uh, what should we be looking for? If you want to contribute, just go start, you know, throw a wave in there and start talking about shit and see what happens. Um, we're not going to start looking at past projects or legacy projects anytime soon uh, because first we want to get a feel for it, right? We want to build the thing. So don't start doing that yet. But- yeah, and, and I want to I want to add some before we subtract any away because you know we've actually diminished in terms of the whitelist count over the yeah. last year, right? I think we've gone over the last year and a half. We've gone from twenty down to what sixteen or or so. So it, we've lost four uh, via various different. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, I think this was a solid discussion, and everyone here. I'll say it for the folks who are listening who might not have heard this before, uh, but everyone here knows the benefit of the whitelist is exactly what we're talking about here, Jim and I. Uh, it forces projects going through the legacy projects is going to force them to teach us about their science and it's going to force us to learn about their science it's a very neat little incentive indirect incentive that makes science communication a much more powerful field because it's tied directly to one of these open economic networks that we were talking about the other day where the network's value is dependent on approving good projects that don't break the network uh and also the network's value is dependent on what type of science or distributed computing project they whitelist. There could be someone could fork a grid coin and only uh, whitelist um, math projects or something like that. But that, that fork will probably not be as valuable as a, a grid coin fork that whites, whitelists math projects and medical research projects, right? And then maybe there, there's so many possibilities. Maybe a, a project only whitelists illegal projects, illegal blank projects. We wouldn't do that at Gridcoin, right? Because if we did, I'm pretty sure our value would be less than if we did, like, did good science. But it's something people could do. It's the option out there. That's the beautiful thing about these networks. Uh, so this whitelisting process is very valuable. Uh, and evolving it in the future, I think, is something that everyone is interested in. Sort of how the magnitude works, how we whitelist, or, or the different. maybe there's different tiers of whitelisting. Maybe there's, there's so many different possibilities with it. So it's something we want to focus on, a great way to get involved with this mechanism that is so critical to Gridcoin is by joining this whitelisting committee and helping vet whitelist projects and talk about the science to do. And also, hell, if you want to be a science communicator, this is a great way to build a resume. The Delta's uh, project briefs, if he ever wanted to go get a job explaining science to people, he has like, I think 20 at this point, project briefs, he can show them and be like, I've done this for two, three years at this point. Like I can do this and they'll hire him. He doesn't need to go to school for that shit. He has a whole lunch, whole bunch of experience under his belt already. So keep that in mind. Um, 
as we go forward. Did you do a good or wrong for what would you do? In fact, you only do good. So boom, perfect. That's a great start. And there we go. We start talking about it. Uh, so Foxy's already started the discussion in the whitelisting community channel. Folks, go join her. Get some some talking going. And we'll go from here. We'll see you all next week, Friday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on the Gridcoin Discord server. We'll talk about all things Gridcoin. Hey.